travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to episode 17, Favorite Watering Holes. We are two thirsty guys and thought it was time we shared some of our favorite places in Southeast Asia to drink with you. This is Scott Coates from Phnom Penh, Cambodia. And this is Trevor Ranges sitting beside Scott here in Phnom Penh. Yeah, this is rare that we get to record some in person. Last time we did it was, oh, a good few months ago in Kuala Lumpur. Yep, that was pretty fun, and I'm glad to be out here in Cambodia enjoying the holiday season with you. Did you have a good Christmas? It was uh, almost too good a Christmas. I am feeling a little tired. We are now the 27th, so we've had a great Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day. My liver is sort of begging for relief, but something tells me we might end up having a drink while talking about our favorite watering holes. Yeah, we got an interesting and exciting night lined up uh, here tonight. Uh, so we're going to start off this episode thanking our sponsor, uh, Beervana. Beervana is a craft beer distributor, importing and distributing tasty American and other specialty beers and craft spirits from across the world. Yeah, I've really come to respect them. Uh, when I was living in Bangkok, they had sort of been there for a year or two, and it was, while well, you pay for these beers, it was pretty nice rather than just the standard Singha and Leo's and Chang's to get a flavorful North American ale and uh, often I was finding I would be willing to part with my money for a nicer beer so thanks very much uh, to them for the sponsorship so Trevor kick this thing off well you know Scott you and I are no strangers to the nightlife scene or as I was joking earlier the afternoon scene on occasion (laughs) Um, in fact while I only devote a portion of my travel writing to nightlife venues uh, people seem to think that I'm an expert on every single place to go for a drink in every destination I've ever been. Uh, so not to disappoint my fans, I've tried to keep my thumb on the pulse of every area I hang out in. And Scott has been an indispensable resource in this regard. Um, not long ago, he and I paired up here on Nightlife Research in Phnom Penh while he was doing the groovy map. Yeah, and that turned into, uh, I don't know if ugly night is the right word when you had fun, but it turned out to be a, a pretty big night. And I've always sort of held the philosophy when traveling I've never liked those people that count being in a country by being at the airport. I sort of always think you've got to have at least a couple drinks in a country to say you were there. So I think we can both say we're firmly where we are now. And that is actually we're recording here in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. Uh, We're sitting down at a place called the FCC. um, And this is going to actually be our first place to talk about. I mean, everybody that comes here will read their guidebook about it or your guide will probably bring you here. Yes, it's touristy. Yes, it's mainstream. But it's also a place that I think you and I seem compelled and drawn to for some reason at times. Yeah, when I was sitting here earlier, I I thought about the FCC. And to me, it's kind of like the ex-girlfriend that you don't really like so much anymore. But (laughs) you can't say no to her if she booty calls. Like, it's hard to say no when someone's like, hey, let's go meet for drinks at sunset at the FCC. Yeah, I mean, the building is beautiful. So in defense of it, they have a second and third floor uh, center here that you can sit and get really nice views of the river and uh, the riverfront out front high ceilings, colonial architecture. It's really tough to beat for just pure ease and comfort. Um, that said, you're in a town where you can get a beer for a dollar, so you come here and it's like 250 for a draft. 
I mean, as far as the prices for Western countries, it, it's still a deal. And, and it is an awfully nice place to come and sit and at least have one meal or a few drinks while you check out the river scene just below. Yeah, and actually the happy hour, they have dollar beers. So for Sunset, it's quite a good deal. So uh, it's definitely a popular venue. And it's kind of a historical one as well. Like the, the building itself is this old yellow painted French colonial style structure. Right. Um, but it also like... Once, I believe it did serve as the Foreign Correspondents Club, or definitely certainly a haunt of foreign journalists uh, who were covering the Khmer Rouge in that era. And there's photographs up on the walls from people like Al Rockoff, who yeah. used to frequent here. Um, yeah, I mean, if you happen to watch the Killing Fields or read a little bit of kind of the KR days before you come and then you're in here, it's not tough to imagine a bunch of kind of journalists back in the early 70s sitting around, drinks, watching kind of the coming chaos unfold so yeah well it's touristy well it's pricey i definitely think i mean we just had a pizza preparing for this thing it's a pretty decent place to sit and enjoy a bit of time yeah absolutely so why don't we move next door to bangkok thailand and talk about a few places uh, we like there yeah, we can't really leave Thailand off the list here, A, because you and I have spent so much of our lives there, and B, because Bangkok is famous as a nightlife venue. So, I mean, we could easily spend like four or five episodes talking about our favorite places, but we thought we'd just uh, pick out a couple that some people are probably pretty familiar with, a couple that maybe people aren't, um, that are in a particular neighborhood that, that everyone seems to go out in. Yeah, well, the first one is a place I went to within my first week in 1999. It is firmly on the traveler's radar called Cheap Charlie's, and it is a classic. It was started by a guy named Satit and his brother Charlie probably 25 years ago, uh, and it is literally affixed to a wall in a tiny alley off Sukhumvit Soy 11. And I heard when they opened it years ago, drinks were 30 baht. Nowadays, they're 70 baht. It's closed on Mondays, but man, I am never ceased to be amazed at just how that place stays busier. And I swear it's busier now than when I moved there in 1999. Well, part of that is back in the day, there wasn't a whole lot going on on Sukhumvit 11. It, you know, like Bed and Q Bar first opened up there and that was the beginning, you know, a little True. 13, 14 years ago. And, and now Sukhumvit 11 is really like the happening nightlife area. And, and Cheap Charlie's has stayed relevant to that scene. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it opens about 6 p.m. And they have a surprisingly good selection of drinks. Like they have wild turkey, Jack Daniels, gin. They probably have six or eight kind of beers. They even have red and white wine. And they have all these crazy flea market type items kind of tacked up on the walls, like everything from a skull and crossbones to a little train set moving around. You'll usually hear like Dire Straits, Brother in Arms, or some old Rod Stewart. I think they've got like five or six cassettes that are always on rotation. But if you go there, it'll be packed out with people enjoying drinks, some people having cheap drinks before the clubs. Yeah, and uh, one other thing, like you were talking about the kitschy kind of decor. Um, a couple of years ago, my friend Curtis and I were doing research on the best dive bars in Bangkok. And right. uh, it, it's like a hole in the wall kind of dive bar that's not a hole in the wall. It's like a, a hole in the alley dive bar. Sure. Um, but it certainly fits all the requirements of your classic dive but it's open air on the street and the people just mingle right there on the sidewalk. Another good thing too is the alley it's in, years ago when I moved there was just kind of dark and decrepit and in the last five years especially, it's really opened up and there's like fish and chip shops in there, there's Spanish tapas, so it's a good place too. You can pretty much have your whole night starting at Cheap Charlie's or ending there and really not have to go too much further. Yeah, and that's what we were going to do for this uh, little section of our favorite watering holes is stay here on Sukhumvit Soy 11 or in that area. 
because uh, you know there's a, a place that we mentioned when we had Greg Jorgensen on our episode talking yeah. about his travel app, uh, a bar called the Check In Ninety Nine, which is right around the corner from Sukhumvit Eleven, and, and is one of the stranger bars in Bangkok. Yeah, stranger would be a good descriptor. I've only been there a few times. But if anyone's seen Three's Company, the old show, it always reminds me of the Regal Beagle, the pub they used to go to. You go in this dark little hallway, and the servers there in their 50s and 60s, they wear white shirts, black bow ties. The woman running it, I think she's about 70, and I've seen old pictures of her like hosting Bob Hope and stuff back in the day. Yeah, I was in there a couple of months ago, and all the the male wait staff were dressed up like dinosaurs, wearing like <laughs> puffy, they look like, uh, like stuffed animal kind of green and blue and pink dinosaur outfits it's it's really quite strange yeah and i mean the decor is is dark i think they even have a small like waterfall with fluorescent yeah it's like a a 1950s prom venue if you're like your high school prom party or something it's it's like cross between tiki lounge and cabaret and like girl pickup joint yeah, and, and they kind of have like some pretty good imported beers. I think you can get Duval. Yeah, they have really good steaks as well. So it's and they did the vagina monologues there recently. Rocky Horror Picture Show for yeah. for Halloween. So that's another place that even longer than Cheap Charlie's has been around, and it's still relevant to the nightlife scene. And a little trivia: that actual building is apparently the site of the first ice factory ever in Bangkok. Greg yeah. told me about that. Yeah, I didn't. I hadn't heard about that until Greg brought it up as well. Um, so sticking in that same neighborhood, like people are always asking about different rooftop bars. So since we're on Sukhumvit 11, I thought that Above 11 is one of the great new nightlife venues on top of the city. You haven't been there, Scott? Well, I tried, but I was not properly dressed, which is a good point. It's, it's one of these places you got to have kind of long trousers and proper shoes and stuff. I've heard only good things, but they would not let me in the one night. All right, so you got to dress up a bit in Bangkok. Not so much cheap Charlie's at the check-in, but certainly at like above 11. Or I also like the Banyan Tree Moon Bar on top of the Banyan Tree Hotel. Yeah, I think Vertigo that's uh, is yeah. better than uh, Scirocco on State Tower, which is a little more famous. It was in The Hangover, but it's just too pretentious, man, and the service is terribly slow there. Yeah, the service is horrible. Yeah, so above 11, you got to basically go in Soy 11 right to the end, turn left and then turn right at Q-Bar and it's kind of just behind Q-Bar so it's quite buried far back in yeah. the soy. And then when you get up on top of the roof they actually have a couple of different levels up there Yeah. so there's some really good views from a couple of different directions and some actually quite good sushi as well. Well going from sort of a high so place to I don't know want to call it low so but it is uh, bare bones and basic I used to spend a lot of my time in Chiang Rai and that's the northernmost province in Thailand it borders uh, Laos on the east and Myanmar on the west and right near the night bazaar there's a really cool bar called Tipi bar and it's been around for about 20 years the owner is a guy named Thu and he is Thai he'd be uh, in his mid 40s and he is a hippie in every sense of the word. He's got long hair. He likes tight leather pants. Uh, he has kind of bikes and all kinds of old weird things hanging from the ceilings. The drinks are reasonably priced. And this is a guy that loves music. Every time you go in, it could be Led Zeppelin one day, or you'll have like an old Stones concert playing on the TV, or it could be ABBA. Like you just really don't know what's going to happen in there. Yeah, you know, I love that kind of Thai style. You know, it's like a country bar. It's like a Thai country bar, but the, the Thai country style is very rock and roll and very, like, 70s rock and roll, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, Thu is a, a super kind-hearted guy, and one of the things he does, too, is he has people, like, quote-unquote working there, but they're just kind of, like, hippie friends that are passing through or they need a bit of a hand for a little while, and he always, like, lets them serve drinks or clean up or... 
sleep after the bar is closed and it, it nice. really is like a full-on hippie thing but i'll say Thu is a good friend and he's about as nice a guy you could possibly meet there and he can give you a lot of good tips so moving from an area that I know really well, being Chiang Rai, I know you have spent a ton of time in Bali, somewhere I keep threatening to get to. Uh, tell us about where we should uh, enjoy a drink there. You know, that was a tricky one too, because uh, Bali's got a really great, sophisticated nightlife scene. Um, so it was hard to pick out some of my favorites, but obviously on the list has to be the Potato Head Beach Club. Uh, Potato Head's up in Petitenget area of North Seminyak Beach, and uh, I described it as the ultimate high society meets hipster beach bar slash restaurant. Wow, you've thought about that title. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like, uh, I really like the pool. I mean, most people are impressed by Potato Head's design before they even set foot in the building because it's this really tall, dome-shaped exterior covered uh, in its entirety by wooden shutters. Like, you know, the wooden shutters for windows. Okay, you know? yeah. So it's kind of cool. And then when you go inside, there's this big grassy courtyard. There's seating in a horseshoe shape all around it. Right. Uh, there's a bunch of kind of cabanas down by the pool. And then the pool sits right on the beach overlooking the water. And it's a great place to hang out and have cocktails floating in the water, looking at the waves and, and watching the sunset in the evenings. Now, I'm a guy that I don't mind paying for booze, but I also like a bit of a deal on booze. And I've heard, am I right, that Bali's a little more expensive place to drink? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, beers are still pretty reasonable for the most part. Potato Head beers aren't too bad, but their cocktail menu um, is excellent. It features all sorts of explanations of the history of classic offerings. Uh, there's a drink called the Blood and Sand Ooh. that was developed in the 1920s by a mixologist at the American Bar at the London Savoy Hotel. Mm -hmm. And then they have all sorts of creative... Uh, twists on uh, other classic cocktails like their Bloody Mary that's served on a wooden sushi plate with a side of wasabi, ginger, and soy sauce. Right, and uh, just for the listeners, again, you probably hear stuff going on in the background. We decided to actually record live. So we are at the FCC, and there's a pool table behind us, and so it's actually, that's the atmosphere you're hearing behind you. Yeah, FCC is a pretty good casual place to escape the sun here in the afternoon, so there's some people around us right now. So uh, where else in Bali should we think about checking out? Well, a lot of people like to head down to Uluwatu Beach, which is a world-famous surfing beach, and there's a temple there on the cliffs. Um, but all the bars and restaurants at Uluwatu sit on the rocks overlooking the surf break. Right. Um, I like to start with a post-surf, pre-sunset drink at Delphi Bar, get a really cheap beer and look at the surf that's uh, breaking right in front of you. And then uh, come sunset, go up to the top of the hill to Singlefin. Uh, Singlefin's kind of the premier surfer bar uh, where they have the post-contest parties and stuff like that. Ooh, prime spot. Yeah, it's, I mean, the view of the surf from up there is, is breathtaking. The walls are adorned with surf memorabilia, um, and the recycled wood furnishing complements the Bali surf scene vibe really, really well. And I see in your notes you can also get some tasty grub while you're at these places, too. Yeah, it's great. I mean, if you're not a surfer, it's you could spend the whole day like sitting in one of these places eating and drinking all day and just watching the surf. If you're a surfer, you can get some really good cheap grinds before you go paddle out, come back in for lunch, get a nice quick like nasi goreng and then paddle back out and then come and get like, you know, some pretty quality cuisine for, for dinner up at Single Fin. Wow, you make me want to go to Bali even more than I already want to go. All right, so uh, the next one, we're going to go way far north. We're going to go all the way to Nepal, to Kathmandu. And I've been lucky enough to spend a good amount of time in Kathmandu. And while there's lots of good places to drink there, there's one that always stands out, and that's called Jazz Upstairs. And the first time I went to Kathmandu, my friend Mads took me to uh, Jazz Upstairs. It's run by a guy named Chudrup, and he has dreadlocks. He is a full-on kind of hippie type character but he's managed to build a place 
that uh, all the expats that live there go to. It's very much an insider's kind of place. And as the name suggests, once or twice a week they actually have jazz going on in there. But they also do incredible momos. And momos are kind of like Nepali gyoza, or little Chinese dumplings. And so that's one you always go there not only for drinks but to have some momos. Uh, you're going to run into literally people that work for the UN to like guides to people working in NGO projects. And even Sting has gone and played there when he was in town one time. It's it's just one of the best places. Wow, I'm kind of surprised to hear that because you wouldn't think of uh, Kathmandu as being like the home of jazz. But but I remember when you were working at Albino, you guys offered a Jazzmandu circuit kind of festival thing. Yeah, every October and November they have a, a jazz fest. It's about five or six days there, and they'll have concerts at like old palace grounds, like really dramatic settings. But there's always usually one or two gigs that goes down at Jazz Upstairs, and the owner Chedrup is involved kind of one of the organizers of it so yeah it's you're just not going to do any better than jazz upstairs in Kathmandu and really really good for meeting like connected locals who've been there for a while and really know the area right on I gotta check that out I, I've been meaning to get over there it's just a little bit out of the way for for most of my destinations but uh you know if you got a good place to go and hang out you get a good hotel rest recommendation like it, it's hard not to to go check some of these places out Absolutely. Well, we're going to burn uh, back to Southeast Asia now and to a little charming town called Luang Prabang in Laos. And you and I have both been to this next place. I think we both agree it's, it's pretty tip top. Yeah, you know, it's really cool because uh, the guy who founded the bar, Derek, he's a friend of mine from when I was spending a lot of time up in Luang Prabang back in the day. And I remember uh, he was discussing his vision for this bar called Utopia. And he took me to this uh, overgrown lot overlooking the river. And as we're walking through like this, the shrubs and over this dirt, uh, he's waving his hand and saying, this is where the volleyball court's going to go. And this is where the deck overlooking the river is going to go. And, and if you go now, you can really like see that he nailed it. Yeah, I went when it was already completely done and it was being leased and run by a guy named Rob from Canada. And I was working on a, a groovy map guide and I think I ended up there two or three times. It is literally something for everyone there. They think I have very early morning yoga, which I didn't see. And then you can just sit all afternoon on these decks that overlook the river and have lassies and coffee. And their food is great. I had an awesome chicken Caesar uh, salad there. And then, of course, booze. They turn on the music at night. You can have some beach volleyball. People were dancing. It just, I don't think I've seen too many bars that are more laid back, groovy, and welcoming for all types than Utopia. Yeah, and it's cool because uh, Luang Prabang doesn't have like a big nightlife scene and there aren't no. a whole lot of places to go around. So like you're saying, he, he really did fill the void there for, for all sorts of different types of clientele. They have the oversized Jenga. Yeah. They have, uh, again, the volleyball court is really popular with the local people because he's really involved in the community, Derek was. And, uh, you know, it, it's just a really cool venue. One, one thing I wanted to mention was that when, when I was friends hanging out with Derek back there in the day, uh, he was really into coffee banana shakes Ooh, and you can get a coffee banana shake there at, at uh, Utopia if that's your thing yeah and one thing like Utopia it's not entirely easy to find so look on a map ask a local but I remember like you get down in the street and then it's down this tiny little windy lane and then kind of a footpath so it's a little tricky to find but uh, yeah you wouldn't want Utopia to be too easy to find and uh, so do do stick with it if you can't find it right away 
Yeah, a place that might be a little bit easier to find is uh, over in, in neighboring Vietnam. Uh, you turned me on to this place, the Zoom Cafe, because uh, I went down there to meet the proprietor, Steve, who also runs the Vespa Tours. Yeah, he's a really nice American guy. Been there a long time. A, he's just a great source of info, but Zoom Cafe, it's a restaurant. They do American stuff. They do Mexican. But the real reason to go there is they're on one of the busiest intersections in the city, and so you can sit on kind of equivalent of lawn chairs right on the sidewalk, have drinks, and watch thousands upon thousands of motorcycles weave and negotiate their way place, uh, past the place. It's just a really fascinating, weird environment to sit and drink. Yeah, it's right around the corner from the Bouis Vienne, like the main backpacker and nightlife district, so it's a really like bustling area. Um, I actually went down there to do a podcast to, to interview Steve, and we ended up not being able to use the, the tape because there was so much traffic from all the motorbikes and all the beeping and honking right. and vrooming. Like, uh, it was really fun to sit there and talk with him and watch the city nightlife go by, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a little noisy. One of the, the fun things about this region is you and I could probably do three, four, five, six more episodes along this theme that there are so many really neat places and the ones we've hit on are places that have been around quite a while so we're not saying these are the hippest coolest newest places they're places that have been around for a while they're weathered they have reputations and when you do come to the area they're very very likely to be just as happening and just as cool a spot to enjoy a drink yeah, that's totally true. I mean, like, I, I like to joke sometimes that I don't want to tell everybody where my exact favorite places are, because once you start telling everybody, they're, they're not as cool anymore. Sure, sure. Um, and also, there's a high turnover. I mean, this, this region is developing and growing so quickly, and to some degree, uh, the audience is fickle. And so there's a, a place that you love, and, and you turn around two years later, and it's gone. Yeah, all right. Well, looking back on all these places we've just named, pick one and tell me a bit about your kind of ultimate time of day and the drink you'd have there and why you'd be there. Wow, that's a good question. You know, of, of all these places, I think I probably spent the most time at, recently in the past couple of years, at the Potato Head. Wow. Just because, like, again, like that, that pool bar is just such a great place to go. And, and I travel alone often, so I'll roll up Potato Head like 4 o'clock in the afternoon, yeah. jump in the pool, order some drinks, start talking to some tourists, tell them, like, hey, you know what we could do tonight, and, and recruit a team of people to like go out uh, eating and drinking with for the rest of the night and enjoy a spectacular sunset and really good tunes. And it's just a, it's just a great venue. Okay, I'm going to go uh, TP bar around 9.30 at night. I usually go there when I don't really want to talk to people because I was there usually running tours and I'd want a break from tourists and it tended to be locals. A lot of tourists are just too scared to go in when they'd see it, but it was a place where I always knew there was going to be some good music or maybe even like a great old Stones documentary on the little crappy TV and I could just have a few Jack Daniel and Coke and like watch an old music concert that I'd never seen before and then if I did want to talk to someone is always a great guy to talk to and he'll go one for one for you on drinks easy so that would kind of be my ultimate one with the challenge to kind of pull myself out by about 12 30 before it gets too dark and dirty and uh, nasty yeah so uh, what's on the plan for tonight are we gonna hit any uh, new spots well tonight we are starting off at five o'clock we're renting a boat and we're doing a 90 minute kind of casual sundown boat cruise uh, bringing our own beer and uh, bourbon uh, with some friends and then from there we're going for a 
very nice dinner at a restaurant, and then who knows where it's going to go from there. Yeah, Phnom Penh's a pretty fun town. There's a lot to do. That river cruise is really fun. That should almost go. It's not a bar, but uh, because you can BYO pizzas, drinks, and float on the river, watch the sunset out there in the water, it's, it's a good time. Yeah, well, uh, thanks very much for joining us on this episode of Talk Travel Asia. Favorite watering holes from the FCC in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. This is Scott Coates saying thank you for joining us. This is Trevor saying thank you once again, and we will be back with you in two weeks. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey, Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thang? 